stand with me. I know it's Christmas Eve, and everyone wants to go and eat their Christmas, pre-Christmas meal, but I'd just like to take a few minutes and share a word with you before we go, and I won't really be long. Two scriptures, first one is from Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1, Malachi chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom he seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom he delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. And the second scripture I'd like to read is from John chapter 10, verse 22. John chapter 10 and verse 22. And it was at Jerusalem, the feast of the dedication, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. If you could bow your hearts with me as we pray. Father, Lord, we just ask, even as we celebrate your birth, Lord, as we go into a new year, Lord God, that you will let this word minister to us, that it will find good soil, Lord, that it will edify us, that it will bless us, that it will encourage us. We thank you right now for your goodness, your grace, and your glory, and we give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Turn to your neighbor. Give him a high five. Amen. You may be seated in Jesus' name. Amen. So many started last year and did not make it to this year. And we're right now in the winter season. The title of my message is The Miracle of the Winter Season. The Miracle of the Winter Season. Um, this short verse in John 22 tells us that Jesus was going to the temple during the winter season. It's, it's a very strange verse because it just pops out of nowhere in the chapter of John. And it's the only place in the whole New Testament where it tells us a specific season. Yes, there's mentions of summer and of spring but they're not directly related to the specific season. This is the only scripture in the New Testament that tells us, relates uh, Jesus' um, activities to a time of where he was. Let me just turn this down a little bit. Amen. So this short verse is very unique in the New Testament because it tells us that it was a winter season. And I'm just going to speak to you today. So if the words don't move you, don't expect anything else. Amen. You know, winter is a time of darkness, and uh, it seems as if it just gets dark so quickly. It seemed as soon as they put the, the, the daylight times on, it just seemed to get dark in me, like someone threw a switch. And uh, it's a time when it's cold, it's damp, and uh, strong winds blow, making it even colder. And, and many people during this time of year go through depression. 
you know, just the season, the darkness, and everybody else is seeming to have a good time, and maybe you feel alone and left out, and it can be a season of darkness and depression. It can be a season of loneliness, despite all of the Christmas celebration. And that's why this verse stands out. Because the Bible tells us specifically, and it's the only place it tells us of a season, that it was a winter season. And it's interesting, I find, that this is the only scripture that tells us that it was winter. Now, there's a backstory to, to this verse and the fact that Jesus was going up to the temple. It says during the Feast of Dedication. Now, this Feast of Dedication is one of the Jewish minor feasts. It was not a, a major feast. It wasn't one that was given to Moses. It wasn't one that you even find a single mention of except in this verse in the New Testament. In fact, it was the very newest feast that the Jews had started to celebrate. It was not given under the law. It was only by the time of Jesus uh, 160 years old. And it happened during the time where there were no prophets. It came about that there were 400 years from the end of the last book of the Old Testament to the birth of Christ. It was Israel's spiritual winter. You ever feel like you're going through a winter? Amen. It was the time between the writing of the last book of the Old Testament and the birth of Christ. It was happened during the, the, the gap that was in between where God seemingly was silent to Israel. They went through a spiritual winter. And we see that in this spiritual winter, some things happened. The very last book that was, um, had the prophecy of Jesus' birth is in Micah chapter 5, verse 2. And this was probably the last specific prophecy of the coming of Christ. But thou, Bethlehem, Epaphrata, and that was the old ancient name for Bethlehem, thou though be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me, that is to be the ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Amen. This scripture was saying that the baby that was going to be born was not just some ordinary baby, but this was God himself from everlasting. There is not another mention of the word Bethlehem until we get Matthew chapter 2 and verse 1. This was the 400 years of Israel's spiritual winter. Now, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. And we taught about that, how the wise men were looking for the star. But there was a gap between Micah chapter 5 verse 2 and Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 of 400 years where it seemed that Israel had entered a spiritual winter. They had returned from being captured by the Persians and they had been allowed to go back to, to Israel and rebuild the temple under the, the Persian king Cyrus the Great. He had allowed them to go back and rebuild everything and things looked like it was going up, but then the Persians got defeated by the Greeks and came under the dominion of Ale Alexander the Great. And then when he died, his kingdom was split into four areas. I'm giving you the backstory now of why Jesus went up during the winter season to the temple. And it was during Israel's winter season that Satan empowered a king of the Greeks to try and destroy Israel's worship. 
You know what that means? He's going to do the same thing in your winter season. Satan is going to try and destroy your worship. It's your winter season where it's dark, where there's no light. It's your winter season where he's going to come and try and depress you, to take away your joy, to steal your gladness. It was Israel's winter season. They had been under captivity of the Persians and now the Greeks. And then there arose a king who is the forerunner, in fact, of the Antichrist. But you see, God had already known this was going to happen. It was already prophesied in the book of Daniel. In Daniel chapter 8 and verse 23. What I'm doing is I'm giving you the backstory. We're going to get somewhere with this. As Christopher says, we're going to get somewhere with this. And in the latter time of their kingdom, when the transgressors are come to the full, a king of fierce countenance and understanding dark sentences shall stand up. Verse 24, and his power shall be mighty, but not by his own power. He shall destroy wonderfully and shall prosper and practice and shall destroy the mighty and the holy people. It's quite a shocking verse, this. It says he shall destroy the mighty and holy people. Verse 25, and through his policy also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart and by peace shall destroy many. He shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. And the vision in the evening and the morning which was told is true. Wherefore, shut up the vision, for it shall be for many days. This was the 400 years that had been prophesied. And in the midst of the 400 years, as I said, there arose a king which was a type of Antichrist. The fall of the Persian Empire happened when a young Greek prince named Alexander, he was only 20 years old, who went on to be known as the Great. And when his father died at 20, he took over the kingdom and he decided he was going to go out and conquer the then known world. And he succeeded from the age of 20 till 30. He conquered all of the lands all the way till his men just got tired of Marching, They went all the way into India. But then he had no heir, and when he died in the city of Babylon, upon his death, his four generals divided up the empire between them. And the name of the king that was to come a hundred years later, who decided that he wanted to be just like Alexander the Great, his name was Antiochus IV. And his capital was at this city called Antioch. You've probably heard of that. Because a couple hundred years later, that was the city that Paul and Barnabas would lead a church. Acts chapter 11, verse 25. See, I'm telling you a story here. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were first, or were called Christians first, at Antioch. This same city that a couple hundred years before, this king arose who was going to destroy the Jews, whose name was Antiochus. So in 167 B.C., Antiochus decided he was going to be
be the king of the whole world. And so he gave himself an additional title. He called himself Antiochus IV Epiphanes, which means God manifest. And he attacked Jerusalem, slaughtering tens of thousands, more than 40,000 people, tens of thousands of Jews. And he erected a statue of Zeus in the temple. And then he butchered a pig on the altar and forced the priests to drink the fat and the drippings. And all who would not would be tortured and boiled alive. This happened in the middle of winter season for Israel. But it was in this winter season that God also brought them deliverance. All of this, believe it or not, was all prophesied by the prophet Daniel. In Daniel chapter 11, verse 31, it speaks about this forerunner of the Antichrist. And arms shall stand on his part, and they shall pollute the sanctuary of strength, and they shall take away the daily sacrifice. Last week, In Bible study, we talked about that, that every single day of the year, Israel was required to sacrifice a perfect lamb in the morning and in the evening. And this happened 365 days a year. And in fact, was the reason and the cause of the angels appearing to the shepherds. Because those shepherds on the hillsides were not ordinary shepherds. They were the shepherds that produced the lambs for the temple. And the angel came to them and said, listen, today is born to you in Bethlehem, Christ the Lord. They understood once they got there that this meant that their job of producing a lamb every single day for the temple to be slaughtered was coming to an end. But God had already prophesied what was going to happen through the prophet Daniel. And from the time God gives a specific time. He says, from the time the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up. He's talking about what happened when Antiochus took the statue of Zeus and set it up in the temple. This this prophecy was so precise that the scholars said, well, it couldn't have been written until after this happened. That it must have been written at the time it happened because it's so precise. It says, from the time the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up, there shall be 2,290 days. Daniel is giving us some advanced information of what was going to happen. And that's exactly what happened. In 167 BC, this king, this Greek king, set up a statue to Zeus in the temple. And he tried to make Israel forget their God. He tried to make them uh, worship Zeus through torture and pillaging and slaughter. But what he did instead was provoke a rebellion. There was a priest whose name was Matthias. And he refused to go along with this. He was 90 years old. And he refused to go along with it. And he had seven sons. And they started a rebellion and a guerrilla war. And for three years, they rebelled against this Greek king. And finally, in 164 BC, three years and some days, they came to Jerusalem and captured it. And they rededicated the temple by relighting the menorah, the seven, the golden candlesticks that had been in the temple that was supposed to burn day and night. It was never supposed to go out. 
But when they recaptured the temple, they found that Antiochus had desecrated and polluted all of the holy oil. So there was only one cruise of oil left, and it could only last a day. Nevertheless, they went ahead with rededicating the tabernacle and the temple. And again, they instituted the temple worship. So in Israel's winter season, in the midst of this 400 years, a miracle happened. There was a miracle in the winter season. A supernatural event occurred and became the basis of this feast of dedication, better known today as Hanukkah. And they took the one cruise of oil and they relit the golden candlesticks, the seven candlesticks. But instead of burning for one day, it kept on burning. Because it was the only source of light inside the holy place. It was the only source of light in the holy place. And so if that went out, they could not minister. So they took a chance and they went ahead and relit it. And they rededicated the temple. And then in the winter of Israel's spiritual persecution, a miracle happened. And that's when they began to commemorate this feast of dedication. Now let's go to Jesus' day. John eight twelve. Here's what Jesus said. Then spake Jesus again to them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. What I'm trying to tell you today, even though you're going through your winter season, even though you may be depressed, even though Satan may have come to destroy you, even though a king may have risen up against you, even if it is your winter season, Jesus is the light of the world. He can make the darkness disappear. He can make the shadows flee. He came to the temple at a special time. Remember the prophecy that it was going to be three years, three and a half years. Jesus had already explained to them who he was. I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness. You don't have to let Satan depress you, take away your joy, make you feel lonely, make you feel hopeless. Because if Jesus comes to your temple, even if it's a midwinter, you can have a midwinter miracle. The Bible is really an amazing book because it gives us a date here. We know that this was A.D. 30. This was the last time that Jesus was going to come to the temple prior to his passion and arrest. This was in the winter before the spring, before his crucifixion. Three years, in fact, since he started his ministry. Do you you understand what God had set up here? Remember, it was going to be three years to the dedication, rededication of the temple. That was the prophecy in Daniel. And that's why the scripture tells us precisely it was the winter season when Jesus came up. to the feast of dedication. What's this telling us? That if you let Jesus come into your temple, you can have and celebrate a feast of dedication, of rededication, of rebirth, of renewal. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. 
If Satan has defiled your temple, if you have led him in somehow, if he's sacrificed some ungodly things in your temple, you need the light of the world to come in. You can have a midwinter miracle if you let Jesus in. You understand how Jesus set this up. The light of the world came three years at the Feast of Dedication to rededicate the temple. Now the light of the world today is coming here. And the Bible tells us that now we are the temple. It doesn't matter what Satan has brought in your life, whether it be darkness, whether it be suffering, whether it be depression. I declare to you today, if you will let the I am into your temple, if you will let the I am come into your life, you can have a midwinter miracle. Amen. You may have been fighting against the God of this world. He called himself God manifest, but he was only little G. He wasn't the OG. (laughs) He was just the little G. You may have been dealing with the little G, trying to bring darkness into your life, trying to put all kinds of stuff in there. But I'm telling you today, if you let Jesus come in your midwinter season, you can have a midwinter miracle. December the 21st just went by. And that actually is the shortest day of the year. So actually, we're now going on to light. Did you know that? That's what they call the winter solstice. That's the shortest daylight time. So we've now passed from the darkness to the light. And if you're a Christian and if you have let Jesus in, all you have to look forward to is light. You can put down the darkness. You can dispel all the gloom. You can get rid of the depression because Jesus wants to come to your temple. He wants to dedicate it. He wants to rebirth it. See, winter is a season of dormancy. All the leaves fall off and there's darkness and it's a, a waiting. But you know, it's in the winter season is when the planting happens. It's in your winter season when the seeds go in the soil. And the temple is a place of encounter with God. It represents our heart. So you can still have a midwinter miracle, even in this season. And then the three years that he had started his miracle, that's a period of testing. That's a period of growth. That's a period of teaching when he had called his disciples. It's interesting that it doesn't mention his disciples. He went there all alone. And it was a time of rededication. As he was walking through the temple, of course, the Pharisees started to ask him questions. John 10, 27. And he says something new here. He says, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them. And they follow me. Remember the other scripture that said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you will not be in darkness. You won't be permanently in depression. The little G may get you a few times, but you can kick him out. You ever been into a place when you turn on the light and all the cockroaches, they just... (laughs) We need to turn on the light of Jesus in our lives and all those little cockroach things will scatter. He said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Do you understand what Jesus is saying? Once you give him the temple, nobody can come in there and mess around. 
because no one is stronger than God. So the little G's got mad and they picked up stones to stone him. But you understand the person before the king before was pretending to be God come to the temple. But this was actually God in the temple, the true manifestation of the king of kings and Lord of lords. So of course they couldn't do nothing to him. My question to you today is, will you stone him or will you receive him? Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger. And he shall prepare the way. John the Baptist prepared the way the first time. We the church are supposed to be preparing the way this time. He shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple. I think... 2024 is going to be a very significant year, prophetically speaking. So many things are already prophesied to happen. Even the messenger of the covenant, whom he delight in, behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. Amen. If you could stand with me, I'm going to ask the chorale if they will come back and if they will sing that song again. Amen. We're not going to have an altar call, but we are going to pray. And my challenge to you is, if you're going through a midwinter and you're depressed, you've been fighting some things, you know, the little G manifest, Antiochus Epiphanes called himself God manifest, but he was only the fake. He was only a demon possessed person. But God himself wants to manifest in our lives. He wants to have full control. Because he said, know ye not that you are the temple. And even if your temple has been defiled, they defiled the temple. They set up all kinds of idols. They sacrificed unclean animals. But in that midwinter season, Jesus, the light of the world, made a miracle happen where the oil, which represents the Holy Spirit, which represents the anointing, burned for eight days until they were able to get some more. It never stopped. It never went out. Jesus came in a midwinter to the temple. And as I said, it's the only place it tells us this. I believe it was for a reason. He wants to let you know that even in your midwinter season, he wants to come to your temple. John 10, 22. And it was at Jerusalem the feast of the dedication. Next month, we're going to start a time of rededication as we start 2024. I want to start today. I want to start now. I don't want to wait. And this is such an interesting verse because it just comes out of nowhere. And it was winter. It may be winter, but you can have a midwinter miracle. I'm repeating myself, but I want you to get it. If you let the light of the world in, he can make your candle burn supernaturally. He can provide resources. They only had one little bottle of oil, and it made that thing burn for eight days. Every year now, in the Jewish month of Kislev, on the 25th day, the Jews 
celebrate and commemorate this feast, how the light from the candle burned without going out. Wouldn't it be great if today we could celebrate that Jesus' light was permanently in our heart? Because the Lord whom you seek shall suddenly, suddenly come to his temple. Amen. I'd like them to sing that song.